Hey y'all, welcome to Shades of Brown, the podcast that discusses the ever-evolving and sometimes contradicting thoughts of a Black millennial. I'm your host, Allie B, and today I have a guest with me. His name is Dexter Lucius, a resident of Huntsville, Alabama, who is thankfully saved by grace and happily single in that order. Those are his words, (laughs) y'all. I'm happy to have him to have this conversation with because we have a similar church background and he often challenges me when it comes to all things Christianity and always checks me to keep kingdom over culture. But before we get into the conversation, let's get to this next segment. Rocking with Bob. Who is Bob, do you ask? Bob stands for Black Owned Businesses. Yes, you know what it is. We are buying black. We are respecting the black dollar, okay? We are circulating our dollars, okay? We are keeping the dollars in our community. So this week, we are rocking with Isabis Candles. Isabis LLC is a company that offers custom candles to remind us how dope we are. All Isabis candles are 100% hand-poured natural soy with a combination of high-quality fragrances and essential oils. I have purchased multiple times from this company. Not only do I use these candles in my home, but I also purchase them as gifts. And every time I've purchased one of these candles as a gift, they love the candle. Like, OMG. So you should check them out. Head over to their Instagram page, Isabis LLC, or their website, IsabisLLC.com. I'll put more information on my Instagram about the company so that you too can be rocking with Bob. All right, let's get into this conversation. Let's unpack it. Well, welcome to Shades of Brown, Dexter. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing good. Let's get into it. Let's talk about uh, gospel gentrification and what that means. So, Dexter, I know you personally. We grew up together in church. Um, Even though we weren't close, we were in the same church organization. So share Mm -hmm. share a bit about your church background. Yeah, um, so I'm kind of, like you said, we are kind of similar in our upbringing, Um, the grand old Church of God in Christ, (laughs) Um, and that's, that was a large part of my identity, that's all I knew growing up, I didn't get to do much, I didn't get to watch much, Um, anything that was not gospel was considered blues, no matter the genre, (laughs) so that was... um, a big part of who I was. Um, my pa- dad was a pastor, grandfather was a pastor, of uncles that are pastors, aunts that are missionaries, every, like everybody's in ministry, right? So that's just a, um, always been my life. Church Sunday, two, three or four services Sunday, church Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, Friday night, <laughs> and then anything else in between, conferences, revivals, we are there. Okay, we were there. Yeah, yep. We have the same background. (laughs) Same (laughs) thing to this day. I don't know why all secular music was considered blues. Like, I mean, all of it was blues. It could be country, it was blues. It could be rock. It's that that blues. Turn off that blues. Yeah, we need to give it a chance. It could be inspirational. It's not like a bad message, but nope, it's blues. It could be an instrumental jazz record. Come on. With, it's blues. It's still blues. It's, <laughs> and it's the devil. And you better not it bring it in here. It is. It is. Oh, 
even commercial commercial jingles. Oh no, don't be singing those. <laughs> Not. Mm-mm. Listen, <laughs> and even even when um people like Kurt Franklin and Mary Mary began to get really popular, Ooh. I mean, it would be songs where if if my folks didn't hear the word Jesus, it's like, oh no no no, that's not gospel. Mm-hmm. That is not gospel. Yep. It's not reflective of our core values. I'm like, but, yep. but, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I get that for sure. Like whole bloodline is in, is in ministry in some way, shape, or form. So for sure, the same there. And that denomination in itself has its own implications, and we'll get into that. Um, mm-hmm. But I want us to talk about just, I, I have noticed, I have noticed over the past, I say decade, where there's been this shift in the way Black millennials see, view, acknowledge the church. And there's been this, um, it seems like a mass exodus from the Black church to the white church, um, or predominantly Black churches from predominantly black churches to predominantly white ones where there is a white pastor typically. And I've also seen where now black churches are becoming more multicultural focused, which from my perspective, it feels like we're going to say multicultural, but really we just want to be a white church with black bodies. Because <laughs> we're gonna sing the white songs, our format's gonna be our format's gonna be like theirs. Our staging's gonna be like theirs. Lights, camera, action, gonna be like theirs. Um, but yeah. we're gonna say multicultural um, because that that sounds more appealing. But really, it's just a white church. Like so, yeah. and I'm cool with that. I I appreciate a lot of the aspects of what this newness is bringing. But I just want to get mm-hmm. your thoughts on that. Like, what is that about? Why why have so many of us left the traditional black church? What's so bad about the black church? Are we not okay with the B three <laughs> Hammond anymore? Are we not okay with Sunday school and five hour services? Are we not okay with two praise breaks and five offerings? Like, what happened? So to uh, several of the questions you just asked, I'm just going to give a flat out no, right? <laughs> no to the five hour services and ain't nobody left changed, right? Nobody got no power to live right through the rest of the week. No, we don't want that, right? <laughs> um, but no, I think it's a it's a very complex question with tons of new eyes. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to differentiate between millennials that are leaving the church and going to, um, you know, quote-unquote, multicultural churches, Mm -hmm. um, because that's a whole conversation in and of itself. Yes, it is. Right? (laughs) Um, But also, Black uh, millennials just leaving the church in general. Mm, So from my perspective, my perspective as someone who just, um, and now in what you would call a multicultural church, I think, um, well, I just have to talk from a personal perspective. I think Mm -hmm. for me, um, what I saw was, I think I became too familiar with the church, um, being that I was, I, that's all I knew growing up. That was, when I say that was my culture, that was my culture. Like, I was the church boy at school, church wherever I went, right? Um, it was just on me, on my family, right? Especially with being uh, holiness and sanctified, like my sisters have to wear uh 
skirts, even for PE, right? The closest Listen. you got to anything that wasn't a skirt was a skirt. You know, them skirt. little what or that or what's the other name? Uh, culottes or something like that. I don't know, <laughs> like, but when I tell you skirts are probably the dumbest pair of clothing. Like it's the dumbest. <laughs> like is it a skirt or they shorts? Like this is Listen, so dumb. But stop being I, lukewarm. Get off the fence. Listen, that is not choose, biblical. choose ye this day. This okay? day. Come on. This I day had there were many a days when you can find me in a skirt okay look at me towards the front it's a skirt but I turn around oh there's shorts right 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 so I mean I'm just saying that that was just a huge part of where I found myself and I knew the inner workings I knew the politics I knew how to navigate all of that and then growing up um and finding my own way but still that's a big part of me so that's the I still associated with those people when I got out of my parents' house and I'm away in college. Um, I still gravitated towards that. Um, so I found myself in a different type of church. Um, most of them were still in the same denomination, but they weren't as traditional or stick as closely to um, some of those things that um, I grew up with in my younger years. Um, so especially when I got older and I started to, um, with my contemporaries and uh, learning them and interacting with them, I, I think I found that, especially as people started moving towards ministry themselves, I was too familiar, right? So it was hard for me to hang on or transition to accepting the word from you or accepting you know, your perspective on God. And I know what you did, but not that I can't get past that, but I know you still, you know, yeah. behind closed doors, you still, you know, yeah. like, and it's, and it's not necessarily that you're, I don't see the struggle, right? If there was a struggle or something and you're trying to overcome it, that's one thing, right? But when you're just two different people and you're, and you're starting a ministry, I can't co-sign that. And I saw a lot of that happening. Yeah, that's unfortunately extremely common. Um, mm -hmm. And I totally relate with that. I totally relate with the idea of not being able to receive from certain people based on the fact that it's like, mm, I've just seen a little bit too much. And like you said, mm -hmm. it's, it's not that I have a problem with your humanity. It's that I have right. a problem. I, I have a problem with the constant hypocrisy in that you are portraying yourself as a completely different person mm -hmm. than you actually are. And that for me is problematic. Absolutely. And that in itself has tons of nuance, but we're not here to talk about all of that because again, we're humans, right? Like we're saved by grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Period. Absolutely. Point, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I'm definitely one of those people. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I just think uh, a lot of those people went on to have successful ministry right um still have successful ministries and to god be the glory for them for that um but i just at the time then where i was like i'm past there now right but where i was i just couldn't see myself submitting to that mm. um and being able to get where i wanted to be with god in that but yeah. i think if i have to say one of the biggest things for me that I did that I left, I would say that it's the same for a lot of millennials, is that I didn't feel safe. Mm. I didn't feel cared for um, in the way that I feel like you should in the church, Ooh. right? <laughs> um, and so, like, the culture is in church that we're all here. Um, we say we have, we like, here... 
I didn't see people coming there dealing with real issues and getting empowered to walk that out Monday through Saturday, right? Um, so for me, my personal experience is as long as I can remember, I have been attracted to men. That's been a part of my journey, right? I'm not yeah. saying exclusively, but that's part of my journey. And so yeah. um, as long as I can remember, I don't like remember it definitely wasn't something I chose. It's just something that's been a part of me. Yeah. Um, so imagine being in one of those holiness is right churches, which it is right, right? But we're not um, talking about anything other than get saved, he gonna, he gonna work it out, right? Get yeah. saved, he delivers you from all this other stuff. And so for me as a little boy on, all I know is I'm dealing with this, um, and I don't find any safe space to go to and share with somebody like, hey, what is this? How do yeah. I deal with it? Yeah. Can you tell me what this is and how God can get the glory out of it, right? Mm. Um, but what you do here is the typical, I've heard across the church, all these derogatory terms for it. Like, it's just, and I think um, it comes out of where Black people have come from, out of slavery and all that kind of stuff we want to get into, but just the culture of us having to hold one another accountable, that the church took that to an extreme, right? That we have to police one another. Um, you can't do this, you can't do that, but it's um, we're not really having strategies for living out this stuff. And so for me, I'm sitting here trying to figure it out, but all I hear coming across the pulpit is you are sissy, you are faggot, et cetera, right? So all these different things that are condemning me and not speaking right. Mm. You said a lot. <laughs> you said a lot. <laughs> I have heard those same derogatory terms spew across the pulpit. And growing up, because it was so common, I didn't even think nothing of it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. You're right. It was so common to hear a pastor talk about sissies. Hurts me to even say today, but it was so mm -hmm. common. And to yep. hear the F word across the pulpit, because it's like, that was the ultimate sin. Like, yep. and it's, and, and like you said, I love that you said there was no strategy because what we heard was get saved, live holy, and you get to heaven and anything else will lead you to a burning fire. Yep. And it's like, all right, cool. Got it. I, I subscribe to the holiest message. Cool. All right. So, but how do I live holy though? I can is anybody going to tell me how to do this? Because I love God, but your girl is struggling mm -hmm. with all the things, Listen, you know, all like, the things. <laughs> and it's like, help me please. But again, I agree with you. Who can you go to and say, Hey, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with fornication. I'm struggling with same-sex attraction. I'm struggling with gossiping and lying. I'm struggling with pride. Who do you go to? And you can be transparent with saying, Hey, again, I'm saved, sanctified, and I'm trying to work out my soul salvation. But all y'all told me is that it's heaven, it's holiness to hell and you're condemning me. Well, then I'll just, how about I just leave then? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, and it's it's the problem that that's all you had to offer because even if I did come to someone, right, I'm sold out. Like I believe um, I've had encounters with God, so I believe He's real. I believe He wants this for my life, wholeness, and be able to live um, completely full, fulfilled. Right. Um, but if I come to someone and share this with you, they don't have anything to offer to help me get back. Like you don't have anything to say. You don't have Jesus to offer. You don't have Holy Spirit to offer me or to even um, let him lead you in the conversation about how to engage with me. Like yeah. you were just ill-equipped to engage with me in that moment. Yeah. So not only did I 
have a hard time finding anybody. But if I did or just took the risk, you had nothing to offer in that moment. Yeah. And that's tricky because unfortunately, a lot of black leadership struggles saying, I don't know. And I feel that if we could get to a place where pastors and ministers will begin to say, you know what? I don't know how to deal with this, but I can walk through it with you and we can yes. figure this thing out together. Yes. And yes. I yes. and I can commit to holding your arms up while we, you know what I'm saying, support each other instead of just Bible thumping, right? And using mm-hmm. all these out of context scriptures, you know, to yeah, justify yeah. to justify this abusive rhetoric. Cause that's really yes. what I mean, let let let's just keep it a book. Mm-hmm. The the abuse that is spewed throughout the church yep. it's, it's real and it has lasting effects lasting effects on our psyche mm-hmm. on our mentality on our em- emotions like it has lasting effects and, and and i i hate that that was your experience but it's not uncommon you know it's the experience of so many yeah so was that for you like the ultimate reason to leave the black church and go find um somewhere that was somewhere amongst people who didn't necessarily look like you? I wouldn't say that was the ultimate reason. Um, I think it was a large part of the reason just because um, I beat up on myself enough about it, right? I've gotten saved more times than I can remember, right? So Hello. <laughs> like like just weeping full, full weep on the floor, like, Lord, why me? Why this? You know, it's, it's a huge deal. Like I can never, I, I don't think ever explain the weight of what that feels like, just feeling like, um, Lord, I believe this is not what you want for my life, but I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how to get past it, right? Yeah. Um, so for me, it just, with the added frustration of hearing that across the pulpit, I don't want to sit here and hear this every Sunday. Because I mean, it would come up and it had no relevance to what you're preaching. How did they get in your message? Why did you feel like going on a tangent? Like, did you need to come beat up on me? Like that was just in your, I know the Lord didn't drop that in your spirit to come hit me over the head with that. Like you're not talking about that. Why is that? Why are you going there? Yo, black churches will find any reason, okay? Listen. They will find any reason to throw it in there. They they make it relevant. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that what that's to deal with it. So I mean, I, I for that it's a big reason though that hey, I don't need to be condemned in that way. I can go somewhere else where I'm not saying they figured it all out, right? It's not perfect because I can't say that I've really shared that with people where I am now. Um, but at least I don't have to deal with that part of it where I'm getting hit hit over the head with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I feel that. I feel that. Overall, what do you think has been so so appealing to Black millennials? What about the white church, predominantly white churches, has been so appealing to Black millennials like yourself? And I know you probably spoke on a lot of it personally, um, mm-hmm. but overall, like, what is it? Is it the cafes? Is, that, is it that they can dress how they want? Like, what? speak to that, what you think the general appeal has been for Black millennials to now go to these white churches. Well, I mean, I think, like, pulling out of my own experience, I think it's that they feel safer there with whatever they're walking through. You're not, um, because I can't really recall many messages that really uh, spoke about grace and how it empowers you, right? How it empowers you to live right. And so, um, regardless of what your struggle is, I just shared my personal struggle, but whatever it is, like you mentioned, 
um, whether it's pornography, alcohol, drugs, whatever that is for you, um, it's always we're using terms that the world uses derogatorily to describe all these people like drunkards and whores and all this stuff, but it's never about, but Jesus identifies with you in your suffering, right? It's never, um, I can't recall a single time I heard the scripture preached about Paul with the thorn in his flesh and that um, the God will get the glory out of what it is, whatever it is you're dealing with. Like it's not always you get saved and you're delivered from everything. Right. Um, and so, I think from my experience in out of that, in the multicultural church, that that's woven into their messages a lot more. It's a more, there's a lot more grace extended. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was really amazed by the first time that I started going to my church, because I didn't join for ooh, a good six months, at least. Um, <laughs> I was just going. But one of the things that I was really amazed about that I saw people smoking outside mm. and they weren't condemned for it. Mm. Right. That nobody was out there in their face like, put that away. You out here at church. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, so the 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 inner Kojic in me is like, uh uh, they going to hell. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And that's what that was my that was my reflex. Like, what? God going to strike you down. This church, what is they sell it? Like, no, uh -uh, you can't be doing that. You can't be doing that. Right. Um, can't point to the scripture the first that says do not smoke, but that's not here nor there. Um, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> um, but I mean, on the flip side of that, when I go in and hear the message and I hear people talk about it, I hear them speaking to God is going to help you with that. Like that's a, we know that's a habit, but here's how to get past it. We have social programs and all this stuff for you to come together with like-minded people who've walked through that, who gotten past it who are dealing with in various stages of getting through that we're not condemning you because you're not on step 10 yeah like i am right yeah that we are still going to acknowledge yeah you're human yeah like it's um he's perfecting you right so Mm. come on in and we're gonna help walk you through this perfection yeah (laughs) i love i love that you said um, grace empowers because I feel that generally the black church, especially Pentecostal black churches in which we were raised in, grace was the word. It was almost like we were taught that grace was equivalent to excuse. Like we only oh, use yeah. that gr- that grace stuff to excuse our lifestyle. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yep. Grace doesn't excuse us of anything. Grace empowers us to live this life you say holiness is right you say holiness is right all right well i cannot live holy except by with grace um so i love that you said that and let me be clear this is in no way shape or form to bash the black church i just want us that i just want us to share these experiences because they're real they're Mm -hmm. common they're common and also because we're we're in just strange times especially right now where you have white evangelical saying anything and everything and and it's like wait what my lord my lord seriously seriously and i feel that because we have never dealt with our core issues within the black church our decision was to just leave but a lot of us end up going to places that don't that on the other side they don't care about us for real either you know mm-hmm. and and it's slowly being revealed when you have these raw parsleys and these oh, yeah. when you have these what's his name louis giglio or whatever his name is saying yeah. these things it's just like <laughs> wait wait so i was coming over here to 
to find a safe space, but are 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 you sure that I'm safe here? Because you you saying some stuff that sound real go back to Africa ish. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You saying some stuff that sound like you talking about white blessings, and I'm like, wait, yeah. what? Ho 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 Hold up, you know. So this is no. This isn't for us to bash. This is for us to just talk about like what what really happened? What happened to the black church, you know? Yeah, um, and I wanna I wanna add like it's extremely important for for you to make that point because I mean there are some things about the black church that I yearn for and miss like wholeheartedly. Like I have to sometimes just go because I need it. Like it's a part of who I am. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. And they want it too. Like they want that too. Like please Hello. understand <laughs> that there are some really amazing things about the black church. We're just yeah. talking about how it can be better. I mean. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the part about the gentrification. Cause I also see how um, we've noticed also along with this wave of black millennials leaving the black church to white slash multicultural ones. But we've also seen where the black churches who are hanging on and who are um, trying to reinvent themselves have adopted um, mm-hmm. some, some formats, some, I guess, have adopted some of these standards that they got from uh, white churches. And it feels like gentrification. It's like, wait, there's nothing wrong with our culture. Like we can, you know, we can critique the culture and try to improve it, but there's nothing inherently wrong with our, with, with the black church. So yeah. why, why does it feel like the black church is now trying to be white or multicultural or whatever you want to call it? Um, in the sense that, all right, now we're going to have the cafes and we're going to have the smoke and lights and we're going to have the CCM stuff. Um, and I'm, and I'm cool with CCM music, but it's like, again, like I said earlier, it seems like the black church is just trying to mimic in a lot of ways to, I guess, appeal to a larger crowd, but it's like, if we're going to be multicultural, then shouldn't we still have some black culture in there somewhere too? You know, (laughs) shouldn't we still have some hand clapping and foot stomping somewhere? (laughs) Shouldn't we still have a tambourine somewhere? Um, Come on, a a, a Hammond. I need a Hammond. Come on. Hello. Hello. Cause listen, it's, it's something about a, listen, it's something about the sound of an organ that awakens everything in me. I'm telling <laughs> yeah. you, man. And, and I don't, I mean that in a holy way and a flesh way, but let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. Something about that B3, it does it to me. A good B3 hammer and a bass guitar. <laughs> My God. <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so what are your thoughts on that? We see like the, um, the, the the transformation churches right and the mm-hmm. uh, places like that that it feels like they are adopting something other than what is true to our core what are your thoughts on that so i don't want to label what they're moving towards as completely just um the multicultural church or even the white church or whatever um i think because i think even what they're moving towards i think it's a movement towards trying to appeal towards younger audiences so millennials and gen z's um because i mean if we look back at where they've come from they came from not as much flash right not a lot of harmonies or complex harmonies at all you know um singing him him you know it was very reserved so i see yeah. them moving forwards in some ways as well so i don't want to yeah. just say that it's their movement I think we're all moving towards the same direction. However, I do see 
that the black church is veering into their lane and that um we're not always staying coming from our own direction towards that point if that makes sense yeah so um you can hear it most it's most obvious in our music right that Mm -hmm. oftentimes our mainstream artists right artists that the that you think of when you hear say gospel music is that they're remaking CCM songs, but you don't really hear the opposite. We see that I don't want to make it about money, but they have more money, more esteem, more opportunities, whether it's travel opportunities, ministry opportunities, um, doing what they do, that you just kind of want a piece of. And so we're yeah, yeah. kind of concede that. Mm, you you touched you touched on something, Dexter. I love that you said that. And it breaks my heart because on a from a business perspective, it's like, hey fam, do what you gotta do. You know, <laughs> get yeah. the money, secure the bag. You know what I mean? I, I'm I'm all with it. I subscribe to all that, like do what's best for you. But I just want us to be like, yo, like we are enough. Like what yeah. we have is sufficient and and, mm-hmm. and it's different, right? It's different, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> it's so and it's beautiful. intentional. He gave it to us intentionally. Yes, yes, absolutely. What our choirs are able to do with their voices. Fam, that is beautiful. Um, what we're able to do with harmonies and and even the jazz sounds throughout our gospel music. Like this is mm-hmm. this is glorious, you know? Like how we're yeah. like you you made a post and I shared it, but how we're able to take one song with one line and sing it for 15 minutes and the power mm-hmm. of God just come down. That is yep. beautiful. Or, or, you know, or you're in testimony service and you've got a mother who starts a song and 30 minutes later that with that same, with that same melody, 10 people have sang on that. You know what I mean? 10 people have Mm -hmm. taken that song and made it their own. And it's like, that is beautiful. Is it modern? Maybe not. Um, But it's beautiful still. And I just Mm -hmm. want us to appreciate what we have and also appreciate different cultures, but look and say, yo, my roots are beautiful. Where I come from, where I come from, it's dope. We are dope. I'm okay with the remakes of CCM music. But like you said, they're not remaking our music. I'm okay with black folks going to these white-led churches or, or, you know, white pastor-led churches. But do we see them coming to our churches? Where they at? They're not, because I rarely see um, white folks following black pastors, especially black male pastors. So it's like, sure, I'm cool with us, as you said, all moving towards the same goal. But why we, why we the only ones moving though? You know what I'm saying? It just sometimes feels like we are trying to get their approval and their acknowledgement and get their amen, get their okay yeah. of us. And it's like, yo, but we're, but we're good, you know, like, so I don't want to go too much of a tangent on a tangent on that, but I do want to ask you what your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on today's white evangelicals? And I just want to get your thoughts on folks like the Rod Parsley's who we have in a major way made successful. It's been black folks supporting his movement. Now he's saying yeah. stuff like, what he's saying, what, what are your thoughts on, um, on folks like that? Are they, are they just ignorant or are they flat out racist? So um, I definitely don't believe they're racist, uh, specifically the people you mentioned, right? There are definitely those out there, um, regardless if they've come to that conclusion 
organization in their heart, that's what you are. That's what you carry in your heart, right? Um, but I think for the Rod Parsleys or like Louis Higley or like you mentioned earlier, I think for them, you don't have a track record of engaging in these conversations. Um, so you don't have a good foundation to stand on and address these in, authentic, in an authentic way or in a way that has substance behind it. So maybe you should just be quiet right now and listen. Like there are those um, plenty of um, white pastors who have, you know, who have, I think, the right to speak. They've been engaged. They haven't waited for the moment when everybody, is everybody else going to step out here? Well, I can step out here too, right? They've been, they've put themselves on the line. So um, I think for the people that have not and are making mistakes, it's time for you to be, take some time to be having conversations offline and not in front of your congregation mm -hmm. and not to be flying off the handle and having thoughts in the moment and be like, oh, this sounds like a good thing to say. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. You know, um, <laughs> definitely get some counselors before you speak about stuff like that. If you don't have a track record of having these conversations um, with people that don't look like you or think like you. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, exhibit much more grace than I do because <laughs> when when I when I heard them I was like wait what wait <laughs> and, <laughs> and for one of the guys I can I can empathize right he just seemed like you know what I'm trying to do the right thing I got the Chick-fil-a guy over here with me and we're just trying to talk to Lecrae you know and make it work and I said something that makes absolutely no absolutely no sense and it just sounded stupid I, I'll give him the ignorant pass but I was extremely disappointed with Rod Parsley because it seemed like his speech was so crafted. Like he sat down with mm -hmm. that thing, like he wrote it out, you know, like You're for right. him, for him, it seemed like it came out of his heart. And that for yeah. me was the problem. That wasn't yeah. a fly off the handle speech. That was what your heart wanted to say. And that for me is problematic. Like you're you're canceled you know okay let, let me ask you this what, what? <laughs> wait 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 we're gonna talk about that but let me address that though because i definitely get what you're saying mm -hmm. um but i think what the lord had to deal with me about for those type of people is that um we've been knocking on the door and trying to get them to open it and talk to us about this issue for so long and so now for whatever reason that we can have a whole conversation about um, they are trying to engage in this conversation. So I don't want to just say, you know, hush and be quiet. I'm not, I'm not even going to talk to you about it, but no, you should go back and sit down and listen to somebody else. Like, I can't just say, yeah, no, I don't want to hear anything else you got to say because you're racist, you know, like that. That's not going to be helpful to them because as a Christian, I'm still concerned about their soul. Right. Um, and Amen. So, I thank thank you for saying that, Dexter. Um, because you always help me. You always like you, you always um speak to the Christian in me, right? Cause um I'd be like, uh-uh, bye, cancel. We don't want to hear you. Yeah. <laughs> but but you are right. You are right. And I do, like I said on a previous episode, I do have a lot of room in regards to giving more grace to white, especially white Christians. It, it is beyond frustrating that it has taken um, this long for them to wake up. But you are right. We've been, God, yes. we, we've been asking for this, you know, and and I can be 
Like I said recently, I can be both grateful that they're speaking up, but also annoyed and irritated that it took this long and that they're yeah. saying stupid things. Um, Absolutely. So, so I agree Absolutely. with that, that we have to kind of um, give them the space and grace to figure it out. Because like you said, we do need their help. We, we have to have them on board. Um, but just shut up for a second and listen. <laughs> get that thing right offline and I- i'm sure they feel we can't do nothing right you it's like well you know what you got dang right because it's, it's taking you four freaking hundred years <laughs> um so and so i understand that right there's so much nuance and it's like if you if they're quiet we mad if they talk we mad if they it's like we just mad but we have the right mm. to be <laughs> yeah. but also as christians take that emotion and make sure it's guided properly so you are right I agree with you in that. Listen, that thing, I understand because that thing is serious. <laughs> like, because initially you just be side on everybody. Yeah. Everybody. 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 It was even why I, um, when I was in Utah, I, I struggled a lot when it came to church. I struggle. I just struggle out there, just period. But particularly when it came to churches, because there were not a lot of black churches, there were just a handful. And they weren't doing it for me. And I found my, myself in a place of transition, transitioning from one church to another. And it was between a black church where I can, you know, connect mm-hmm. or a white church where, where I was going to be fed. And, mm-hmm. ultim- and ultimately, I chose the black church because it was like, yo, man, I just want a place to go and like at least get some social interaction because like. I'm surrounded by whiteness every single day and I've got to conform every single day. Can I just get a moment, two hours, two hours out of the week where I'm just around my people, you know? Um, And, and that, and and that was at the sacrifice of my spirit, man. But you know, it's like, yo, I just need us, you know, I need, I need community. I needed community um, because it's so important to us. But that's so sad. That's a, that's a decision you have to make though. And that's part of why this conversation is necessary because I should not have to, you know, make that choice when I'm talking about the church. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely, Dexter. Absolutely. And I struggle with that. And I still struggle with that idea that that has to be, or at least for me, it had to be a conversation and ultimately a deciding factor. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, because I do want my blackness to be reflected in the ministry I go to. I do want my culture to be reflected in the ministry that I go to because I am a human still, right? Mm-hmm. I'm living this human life. And when we see another unarmed black man shot on a Saturday, I want to go to church and receive hope, not Ooh. just not not just straight up silence. So yes, it matters to me if my pastor is black or white. Absolutely, it matters to me because I'm a black woman. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And and, th- and that's just though is that nuance and, and all those layers of the black experience, because being yeah. black, being black and Christian. Oh, my God. Talk about uh, oxymoron. Talk about like <laughs> the, the, the conflict experience. I mean, man, it, 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 it can be a huge conflict at times. Um, and I just wish the black church would be a little bit more intentional about helping us all navigate those nuances and those layers. Yeah. Um, so I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask you anyways. <laughs> How do you feel about cancel culture? Is it ever is it ever OK to cancel people? It's particularly in this conversation about, you know, white pastors falling out the handle. Like, are, are you cool with cancel culture? And if not, is it ever appropriate? 
listen, um, I'm going to say, like you said, my flesh wants to cancel them all. Okay. Um, Cause I don't want to hear anything else you have to say, but Holy spirit keeps snatching it back <laughs> every time I go there. Um, and just reminding me how I'm supposed to react instead of how I want to react. Um, and so I don't believe in cancel culture as it's been popularized. Like I absolutely believe as a personal decision, you have every right to stop supporting, patronizing someone, um, supporting them financially. Absolutely, I have done that, right? But when it comes to canceling somebody, um, whether it's doxing them, whether it's trolling their social media, whether it's um, condemning anybody else that does not choose to stop following them, I don't agree with that. And just, um, because that's not Christ-like. Now, um, to be, once again, as a caveat, I'm talking about as a Christian, which you react. If yeah. you don't, if this is, if this is not your walk, do you. I ain't even yeah. like, you good. Because I yeah. want to do it too. I want to be out there. But because this yeah. is the, what I've chosen to do, this is who I've decided to follow, I have to behave like he would behave. And he mm. would not just cut those people off. Right. He yeah. would still pray for them. He would still extend grace. He would be patient with them. Um, so that's what I have to do, because that's what I want him to continue doing for me. Yeah. So I can't just every time as much as ooh, it feels good to just cancel, you know, then I can't. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I, I agree with that. Cancel culture in the way that our culture has presented it is extremely toxic. Like, I mean, let's just call it what it is. It is so mm. problematic. Um, yes. But I do agree that we have, we absolutely have the right to remove our support of someone who does not align with our core values, who does not align mm -hmm. with our humanity. You know, uh, when, mm -hmm. when people, when people show you who they are, what does my Angelo say? When people show you they, who they are, believe them, you know, so, mm -hmm. I, yep. so I, I, I am okay with removing my support. But for me personally, it's like what you said. I can do that quietly, though. No one has yes. to know that I've removed my support. As a matter of fact. For me personally, here's an example. I stopped supporting tons of CCM artists years ago because their silence for me was so loud. Yes. It's like how you, you can take me up to the throne room, but you have said nothing for all these slain dead bodies who are unarmed and innocent. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop buying your music. It's simple, right? It's small, but that's my way of saying I'm not okay with this. So I'm removing my support, right? It doesn't have to be loud. I don't have to DM them and say, hey, I'm not buying your music no more. And like, no, that is my mm -hmm. personal decision. And I don't even go around to my friends saying, hey, don't listen, don't listen to them no more because they they too quiet. No, 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 no. That is my personal decision. So for me, it's like, I, I agree with you. Like, yo, cancel culture as we have seen it is not okay. But I personally have canceled all kinds of folks. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> quietly, quietly cancel them. <laughs> Mm -hmm. unsubscribe cancel all that. We'll Un do all that unsubscribe unfollow <laughs> mute all of it yeah yeah do don't you even feel send me spam emails none of, none that. of it no promotions <laughs> none of it in regards to racially tense times like now i know now everyone's saying stuff but do you feel that mm. your do you feel that your church even before now that they were doing their part in being vocal in the community about racial problems and police brutality and things of this nature were they saying things before now <sighs> okay <laughs> so 
Um, no, I'm just going to be completely honest oh. about it. Oh. Um, and I think I struggled for a long while with that. Um, and I just had to trust God because there were many times I felt like um, I was going to leave. I didn't say anything to anybody about it, but that's where I, I was feeling like I wanted to. He did, God didn't release me to do so, but I really wanted to. Um, like I remember explicitly after Philando Castile and Alton Sterling were killed um, that Sunday, I um, was walking through the halls like a zombie, mm. right? Um, the night before, I was just devastated. I didn't know what to do. Like it was, I mean, all of them are hard, but for some reason, that one was particularly hard. Maybe it was just there back to back. And I think maybe I had been dealing with something else personal. And so I was already kind of low and those just really shook me. Yeah. But I still had to go into um, church the next day and minister as part of the worship ministry. Um, and nobody stopped like, hey, are you okay? Like recognizing the moment of what's happening in our nation. Because it's not like nobody knew. Right? Yeah. It's all over. It's headlines everywhere. But nobody thought to ask, hey, are you okay? Even if I had not been like in the state that I was to ask me, hey, I recognize what's going on. I'm praying for this issue. Not even just praying for you, but praying for this issue. This is something that's in my prayer closet. But I'm literally walking through here shells out like, I'm just not myself. I'm not engaging. I'm not, um, you know, chipper or glad to be in the house of the Lord. Like, that's not my countenance. So nobody took the time to say, hey, let's just stop. I see what you, I see you're carrying something. Let's pray. Nothing like that. Can you, do you want to talk about what it is you're dealing? None of that. Right. And that went on for the longest time that um, we might get a cursory mention, you know, hey, let's pray for the unrest that's in our con country when we have uh, protests and stuff like we'll mention that kind of stuff. But we're not going to talk about the realness. And then you see you're connected to individuals on social media who are posting things that are extremely insensitive and incendiary. And I'm just like, do you not realize <laughs> that, that you are literally painting me with the same brush that you're painting all those other people? And I'm here, you know me, right? You can come to me if you feel like you want to understand. I will definitely have that conversation with you, but they never do. Um, and so at large, I, now I want to caveat that by saying that's not everyone, right? There are definitely yeah. people who have done those things and who have been um, brothers and sisters in Christ, who have been like real brothers and sisters in Christ, like you would want them to be. Um, but at large, no, I, yeah. I have not seen that. Um, mm. I think we're moving that. I think my pastor is being really intentional about it now, and I'm so thankful for him. I'm so thankful for his heart because um, I know it's been his heart all along. Uh, but now I think it's easier to bring people along with this because there are a lot more people who used to think differently that are kind of realizing, okay, yeah, there's something to this. Yeah, I, I'm cringing because I think that's what's difficult for me is, oh, now you can say something because all of your other friends are saying something too. So it's easy now. It's easier to speak out against injustice because you have the support of your, your fellow churches. Well, yeah. why, 
but but we're Christians though, right? And mm-hmm. we we serve a Jesus who forever stood up for the oppressed mm-hmm. people because he himself was an oppressed man of color. So why is it so why is it oh now it's cool because you can just blend in with the other folks saying something. You can and you can mimic their statements and I, I struggle. I struggle Dexter. So keep keep me in your prayers because it is just I I can't help but question <laughs> the sincerity of it. You know, I can't I can't help yeah. but question how sincere are you? When these when these protests die down, when the headlines change, when things kind of get, you know, a little bit more normal, quote unquote, you're right. When when sports have our attention again and when the movie theaters are open again and we can do all the other things that that used to take our attention away from the Mm -hmm. quote unquote social unrest, will you still be as vocal then? Or are you well, doing this because it's convenient? And, and and I'm not, I cannot speak for anybody's heart. I'm just saying yeah. that I'm being honest about my skepticism. Absolutely. And it's a valid skepticism because I tell you, I've been through that whole gamut of having those feelings. And what I've, what I learned or what I came to believe about that is I watch those people intentionally um, because the people that I don't believe are sincere usually tell them themselves. They start to, they have mixed messaging, mm. right? So I've heard some of these people, like uh, my pastor explicitly say Black Lives Matter, right? Or um, this is like say things like police brutality and all this stuff. Yeah. But there are people who want to just, the George Floyd thing was wrong because everybody's talking about George Floyd, but they still have caveat. They will never say Black Lives Matter. They'll never talk about police brutality. They'll never talk about um, any of this stuff being justified or those people need to be locked up, like they have caveats in the conversation. Yeah. yeah. So those people that are fully engaged in the conversation that are saying, yeah, these people need to be locked up. Yeah, there needs to be police re- reform. Okay, I, I really believe, like that kind of yeah. tells me, yeah, you're really in this. But for yeah. those people that want to say a little bit, but not too much, enough to say that I'm engaged in the conversation, but I don't want to support the full conversation, no, nah, yeah. you don't get it. You don't yeah. get it. You're just trying to yeah. get some brown coins. Yeah, for 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 sure. Um, that would have been a great moment to segue into brownie points, but we're not done yet. <laughs> um, yeah, I get that, and I and I also acknowledge and understand um, that these leaders, especially with these huge platforms, have a lot to lose. I understand that, mm-hmm. and I'm saying, still stand up. Yep. Period. Yep. It's yep. Per- period. When it comes to right versus wrong, this is easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you're looking at it from that lens, right versus wrong, this is so easy. If, yep. if, if, you, if you have subscribed to the walk of Christianity, when the whole thing is like, hey, yo, sign up over here to lose it all, to die to yourself. Hello, come up, sign up over here if you want to, you know what I'm saying? Like surrender everything. Like, fam, it's easy from that perspective, right? Yes. So so it's like, I mean, I get it that you have a lot to lose, but still stand up. So my my last question, my last question is this. It's a two-in-one question. If you had the attention of white evangelicals, what would your message be? What would you want them to understand? And the same thing for the black church. If you had the attention of the black church and they were really listening to you, what would your message be? Who? Um, so white evangelicals, 
I think I'm just going to go ahead and go into this conversation about the multicultural church. We cannot have a multicultural church until every culture is involved. Uh, okay, so bloop, um, bloop. Uh, this American experiment of assimilation um, does damage when we just try to make everybody look like us and still label it as multicultural. Okay, mm-hmm. So I think we really have to see God about what it looks like um, from every tribe, every nation. Like, what is heaven going to look like? You can't tell me that the God, the creator that thought of all these different variations of everything, right? Um, that we just, it's all going to be monotone. There's going to be one color, one sound, one look. Like, you can't tell me that. So I think um, for us to really become multicultural and to come into the realization of what that really means, we have to deal with one another and have honest conversations about how we can better incorporate all those things. Um, I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, for the Black church, I think um, going back to a solution for what I think, what, what I addressed as far as why I, uh, the large part of the reason why I left, I think um, we need to figure out how the older saints and the younger people can come together and meet in the middle. Because I see a large part of the rift in the church now is that um, you have all the tons of small churches, tons of small churches on every corner, right? Everybody want to hold on to their churches, but they don't 12, 20 people in there, right? And they just refuse to, like, it's a church on the other street. Y'all in the same denomination. Uh, y'all fellowship all the time. Why y'all just say, pull your resources. Make it. Save the make, planet. <laughs> save the planet. <laughs> <laughs> yo yo make it make sense dexter make it, it make sense it y'all got a hundred churches with 15 people <sighs> each. and like I and just, then so everybody take a sunday because we want to have a building fund the pastor's anniversary all this stuff and we just get money pass the money from hand to hand for the same thing like why though could you Why? just imagine? Could you just imagine what would happen in the black church with unified goals and a unified mission? Like the the wisdom, the wisdom of the the older generation and the exactly the, the creativity of the younger generation. Like imagine the massive ministries that could really spring forth if we would all embrace the beauty of each of us that we all have. Come on. That's that's all I'm saying. We got to figure out because in most of those churches, you have a few kids, right? And then a huge, wide age gap. Absolutely. Um, and then those people that fill that age gap, they've gone and made these big old popular churches, right? So I think we need to figure out how to get those people, those people act together so we can glean from one another. Yes. Because um, that culture that hurt me, right, that I referenced that hurt me that I kind of heard from, they're the ones that are still in that small church and they're not getting from us how that made us feel and how that damaged us and all that kind of stuff because they need to hear it because they're probably still having those same conversations, right? But they need to hear how that's not Christ-like 
to be having with saying stuff like that or treating people that way or putting expectations on people um, so they can be better. Even though you've been in, you know, you've been knowing the walk with the Lord for 40, 50 years, you can still, you still need to be better. Um, and, but on the flip side of that, like you said, that wisdom, because I see so much of why, you know, we have so much freedom in these churches that we do sometimes use that grace as to do whatever you want. And so I think, um, everybody needs to come together and collaborate on what it, the church really looks like um, and what God really intended mm. Mm. instead of being on two extremes. Mm. And so I feel like that would empower our church so much more yeah. if we were able to come together in that way. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Dexter, for having this open and honest and a little bit tough conversation um, because when it comes to the church, you know, the bride of Christ, as Jackie Hill Perry said recently, we have to be careful how we talk about somebody's wife, right? Somebody's bride, Mm -hmm. you know, and we don't want to church bash um, or race bash, you know, but we want to have a, but we, but we need to have these conversations that can help us all be better and ultimately um, reflect what Christ initially intended, like you said. So I appreciate you for your authenticity, your transparency, and for you challenging me challenging me mm-hmm. to be to be better because child <laughs> you know me <laughs> you know me <laughs> um so yeah you know me but yeah this was this was phenomenal i enjoyed you so um yeah, we're gonna we're gonna um go into these brownie points okay um y'all know what it is <laughs> y'all know what it is search your hearts and minds and um give yourself brownie points for something you've done well recently um it's a lot going on right now and a lot is unraveling and i think this time we need to um, be even more intentional about feeding ourselves with love and kindness and give ourselves a little bit more grace so find something that you're proud of and go over to instagram and facebook at shades of brown podcast and tell me in the comments what you're giving yourself brownie points for dexter what are you giving yourself brownie points for today so um as we're recording this, we're heading into July 4th weekend. Um, I had just so happened my off days fall that I don't have to go back to work for like four or five days. And so um, I did want to go back and just be swamped and trying to catch up. So I had set some goals for myself and did a list. I'm not a fan of lists. I know you are. Policy. That's not my ministry. Um, but I, I decided to try it to see if I could just get through everything I needed, wanted to get through and have it actually done and not be worrying about it while I'm off. Um, and I was able to get through my list. Like I got it. And not only that, I only had to work a half day today because I was able to get through it. Um, so I was really proud of myself for, for doing that, sticking to it. And now I don't have to be worried about work. Yes, I love that. And you're right. I am a list person. I got a t- tons of lists. And thanks to my friend, Mary, I just recently downloaded a time management app to help me get, it, it's this, um, some Asian technique something Medora, Kadora. Let me see what this method is called. Hold on. Uh, that's that sounds like PDA, PhD level <laughs> stuff right there. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's it's the shoot. What is it? Oh, Pomodoro. Yeah, Pomodoro technique. You do tasks in 25 minute sprints and every 25 minutes take like a five minute break. 
So you just oh. like, yeah. So you just like thug it out for 25 minutes, take a break, get back to 25 minutes and keep doing that until you have completed your project or task. And yeah. So in case you want to keep up this listing, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> the app is called Focus To Do. So yeah, <laughs> I, so yeah. I really, I geek out over stuff like this. I really do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today I'm giving myself brownie points for letting some things go mentally, mm. relieving myself of some expectations that have been causing some anxiety. I am letting it go. Bless the Lord. And implementing the necessary boundaries. And yeah, and I'm just going to be free. So that's what I'm giving myself brownie points for is freeing myself of extraness. <laughs> oh man, now you want me to change my brownie points? I feel no, like shallow. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. I wanted to like piggyback off of yours, but I've given like a list type of brownie points thing before. I just I needed to verbally give myself some credit because. I be beating myself up all the time. And I needed to acknowledge yeah. that some mental victories are also victories, you know? Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're yeah. right. You're dope for that. Thank you. Thank you, Dexter. All right, y'all. Y'all know what to do. Share with me what your brownie points are. I know you've done something well. So tell me, share with us. All right, it's been cool. Thanks, Dexter. You're the best. Talk to you later. All right, thank you so much for having me. See I told y'all that Dexter be getting me together. He forever reminds me that it's kingdom over culture. And regardless of how passionate I feel about my blackness, that I am held to a different standard as a Christian. So I appreciate that challenge. Because y'all know me, child. It's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I hope y'all enjoyed the conversation. More than that, I hope you heard our heart and what we were saying that we are better together, especially the church. We're better together and we have to begin to embrace what multicultural truly means. We have to embrace all the cultures and acknowledge the beauty in each of those. And I just want us to know that we we don't have to erase our culture in order to be the bridge. What we have is beautiful. So, yeah, you can follow Dexter on Instagram and Facebook at Dex Lou Worship. That's D-E-X-L-O-U, worship. He's a worship leader. He's a singer. He also has music out. I don't know why he was being all humble, but he has a single out called Forever Holy. So look it up. Dexter Lucius on all your digital platforms. Look up his single. All right, y'all. I hope you follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Shades of Brown Podcast. And also like, share, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. And please remember this, Black folks. You are enough. Our creation is so divine. Our music is divine. Our expression is divine. Our culture is divine. And I love me some us. So until the next episode, be healthy, be whole, be healed.